We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, The place to up-level that sexy life of yours. With expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Kat. Sex, love, and psychedelics are probably my three favorite topics to talk about. In my opinion, all three of these are massive catalysts for personal evolution, and I'm really happy to see so many take interest in personal development and evolution. Whether the work is actually being done or not, I don't know, but it definitely isn't easy to do any one of these three paths. And I think being able to observe how people are doing it and doing it effectively honestly helps all of us figure out what could work for us individually. So today I've got Kelly and Connor Moore to jam with me on relationships, on life after marriage, and how to navigate them when you and your boo think and talk and have different interests which is pretty much most couples. (laughs) But before we get to Kelly and Connor, my new book, Sex of Yoga, is now out on Amazon. Yes, I'm a doctor and an expert on these three topics, and I'm also an artist born and raised. I found that art, like music, poetry, painting, can all be powerful ways to portray and to connect with our inner experience and our emotions. And it's super validating to read a poem and just like, oh, feel it in your body. (laughs) It's a way more pleasurable way to live connected with these more complex human experiences. So I've brought my epic academic brain in connection with my deep feeling heart (laughs) to put this book out to you. Sex Love Yoga takes you on a journey to clarify the patterns, the thoughts, the fears, the excitements that rule our decision-making process around life, sex, and love. So if you want to get your hands on a copy, the link is in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and leaving me an epic, unforgettable review on iTunes. My goal here is to help you eat, play, and sex so much better. And if you haven't already, head over to sexloveyoga.com to grab my free guides on sensuality and read more about how I can help you discover more sexual liberation. Now to this powerhouse couple that I absolutely adore, Kelly and Connor, who are the hosts of a very fun and very relationship-inspiring show, Okay Babe, which is where I first met them and had my first podcast couples crush. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Score! (laughs) No, but I swear, I was like, we were in the middle of a podcast conversation, which everybody should check that out. It was about sex conditioning and sex therapy. Uh, but Kelly was talking about how she was dipping her toes into the pool of dating women. I think at the time you were like, oh, I'm really interested in this. Oh, women are turning, turning me on. And my heart, I swear, my heart had that started beating just like a nugget bit faster. And I was like, oh my God, I'm pretty sure they're into me. <laughs> oh my God. So Connor literally has said this from that time on, like, why didn't we hook up with Kat? We totally should have hooked up with Kat. And I'm like, she was not into it. And he has 
way better radar for that shit than I do. I'm like, <laughs> nobody wants us. And he's like, she definitely wants us. <laughs> Fuck, babe. I told you. We missed no one, our chance. You need to learn. Yeah. You, I think Kelly finally learned to listen to me. Like the first time we actually got with a, a, a girl, it was one of Kelly's friends. And we were out at a concert and I remember looking over at her and we, we had, it was the first time you'd ever done MDMA. So yeah. The first time, yeah. It was very that little. It was, it was a very little, like I, I, I'm super sensitive to it with that. I'm, I'm very different with MDMA versus other psychedelics. Like I have a mm-hmm. high tolerance for most things that are plant-based aside from weed, mm-hmm. but MDMA, I'm like super sensitive, anything like that. So we just a little bit take the edge off at Odessa and I was looked over and I was like, you know, she wants to fuck you. Right. Like, just, <laughs> I'm, am I the only one noticing that like, that's the way she's looking at you and you just do it's different for a guy. I think that's mostly noticed when women are attracted to him or someone else. Uh-huh. It's like, I have that, I have that filter where I can like notice it. Whereas uh, with someone like Kelly, who was just getting into exploring that you don't really have the context no, like, that's what that look means. Dude. I'm like, Oh, she, she loves me. She's one of my closest friends. Like we'll hold hands. We'll put our arms around each other. Like it is what it is. And he's like, no, she definitely wants to sleep with you. So then we did. Is it a context or is it more of like a protector part of us? Cause we don't want to get rejected mm-hmm. if we initiate and say, Hey, do you want to hook up? And then the other person's like, Oh, I literally just want to be your friend. You know, like how do we, I think, and maybe it's because when you're first starting, out, especially in that world, like where it's new and, and, uh, you know, majority of people aren't gay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you're doing this dance of, is that, what kind of look is that? Is that because they're interested in me or because they're daydreaming about something else? Like, yeah. like, I get that. It's funny you bring that up. Um, I'm like, I've been really sitting with this concept of rejection a lot over the last mm. week, actually. And it's been like, crushing me. Um, and I'm sure you've had those things where it's like, this is the theme of literally everything happening, business, relationships, sex. It's like, everything feels like it's falling under something. And mine right now is rejection. And I think that, you know, I think as women, we go through these experiences as little girls where we're bullied. I don't know one girl that I am aware of wasn't bullied as a child by another girl or wasn't rejected or wasn't invited to the party or blah, blah, blah. And so I think we create these foundations and these ideas that we can't put ourselves out there because what if she says no? What if she doesn't like me? What if I look awkward or weird? And we were actually out with these two girls on Friday and it was just this really random circumstance that happened. And I have just been sitting with this idea of rejection because also we've been on Bumble for however long now, a year and everyone keeps bailing on us. They ghost, they stop responding. Uh They set a date, they don't show up. Like it's a whole thing. And so I have been feeling really rejected by the feminine. I feel really bad about myself, even though it probably has nothing to do with me. It doesn't even matter. It's Bumble, but I have been taking it super personally. So we're out with these girls. And when given the opportunity to say what I want or to ask for what I want, I can't do it. Like I felt stuck. I felt frozen. And I after, you know, a lot of thinking and reflecting, I'm like, I just don't want someone to say no to me or to think I'm weird, or I don't want to offend a woman because that feels wrong because of my whole life of this experience. And so I, that's where I am right now. And we're actually going out with someone tonight. And I asked Connor nicely last night. I was like, okay, can you let me initiate and say, Hey, this is what I want. And then I'll ride with her and maybe Mm. we'll go back to our house. And want to keep fucking it up out of fear or out of old patterns that don't necessarily have to go like go forward with us. I want to point something out in this though, because just to just, as I'm listening to you, like recount the whole situation, because say whenever we podcasted with you, right? Like I 
growing up as like a little fat kid, right? All I knew was rejection from girls. Yeah. So for me, I feel like I'm playing on house money. It's like, whatever. <laughs> you know, like if you mm. say no, it's like, okay, cool. But it's the energy you bring into it too. But even in this, right. It was like, we were in a scenario where we were going to go out with this one girl, but then her friend was in town. I was like, Oh, we can all go out, whatever. Like no expectations. Like we'll yeah. see what happens. And we're sitting here showing these girls like photos of Kelly's lingerie shoots from a bachelorette party. Like, full ass pictures, like just stuff. And I'm like <laughs> looking at her, like, and they're looking, and they're kind of enamored with her, like asking about, cause they're more as a, as a females, I think a lot of times like more curious in how she got into this. And they were curious about exploring it and uh -huh. all these things. And I'm looking at her, like, do you not understand that this is the time to do the thing like this? Once you pass that like time of like, Hey, like you guys should come over later. It kind of got awkward. And it was, I was just like looking at this, like, what the hell? But I have knowing that I don't really have the same fear of rejection because it was all, like rolls yeah. off my back. Right. And it, it kind of makes me think about a time when I was in Toronto and I was kind of flirting with this girl at the gym and I said something that was pretty forward. And she goes, if most men said that to me, I'd be super offended, but it's so clear that you have zero expectations and zero like nefarious intent with it, that it actually is kind of cute. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, yeah, like you can be like, whatever, respond however you want to that kind of thing. We did end up hooking up, which was kind of fun, but um, it was because of that. But even now looking at this second experience, like going out with someone tonight, in order for Kelly to like, a, like say what she wanted, she had to make a whole plan around it. Whereas I would never have done that. I've just been like, I don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but I didn't make a plan last week and it failed because I was so scared. So I'm trying to yeah. give myself a little bit of confidence going into this yeah. and say, Hey, I'm going to try this thing. I need his support. Cause I just, I'm, I'm just not good at it. Period. Like I'm just not, I'm good. Once the things start happening and everyone's naked, I'm really good at that. But yeah. actually getting to that point is where I, I literally feel like I just freeze. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's fun. like the spontaneity piece too is funny. Cause I'm like, why not hook up with cat after a podcast? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, but she might be offended. And Oh, I really respect her. And Oh, this and Oh, that. And he's like, you're so fucking annoying. And here we what are. Part of our podcast. Did you miss? Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, that's so fascinating to hear you talk about this, you know, preparing yourself or mentally planning there and, and then in um, versus to the spontaneity there too. There's this safety in feeling desired by somebody or feeling like this, this person's um, uh, yeah, for this yes towards you, you know, which allows us to lean in more, more readily. And it's almost like we sometimes will wait until we see that full fuck. Yes. Which I personally think is such an illusion. And I think it's a bypass that's being used, uh, constantly in our, in our environment. Um, or especially in the spiritual communities where people are like, if it's not a fuck, yes, it's a, it's a no. Right. And then I'm like, Oh, is it? Like, what about the, is that bypassing the human experience of what it takes us, this process that it takes us to get to a yes. I fully believe in a yes in the body. Like you feel it, you feel a yes and you feel a no. There's an expansion, there's a contraction there, but it's almost like when we say uh, this full yes or, or full fuck yes, or it's a no, it, it can almost like enroll people to move beyond their process instead of really sitting with it and being with it and preparing with it and sitting with their parts and getting curious about the hesitations or the fears or the, the contemplations that are present. And so here it, what I see is you're giving yourself that process to be with and, and knowing that the full fuck yes. Yeah. We all want to see that it's safe to see that it's like, I want you to fully desire me and do those things, and then I'll lean in. Right? But like one of us got to be brave. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And so, 
And sometimes that like fuck yes is buried underneath a bunch of other bullshit, right? Yes. It's like, right. how do you know? And you sometimes it, it just manifest like a fuck yes can manifest in many different ways. It's not like mm-hmm. it's always going to be 100 all the time. It's like, well, maybe. Right. And then like a lot of that too, sometimes, and I've, I've had this conversation, especially when I was coaching is like, you got to just try things out. Like, and just yeah. don't have expectation. Maybe it, it's, you think it's going to be cool and it's terrible. And in the moment, and then you just don't do it again. You don't have to be ashamed of that. Right. Like maybe if you're a, a woman wanting to experience a spear experiment with women or a man want to experience with man. And it's like, in, you, all of a sudden you suck a dick and you're like, eh, not really for me. Okay. <laughs> like, cool. Like, that's not, that doesn't, that doesn't make you a broken or weird person. It's like, well, at least, right. you know, now, you know, yeah. and I think that that can be buried underneath, like whether it's shame, judgment, expectations, you know, kind of preconceived ideas of who you're supposed to be. All those things can get in the way of a, of a fuck. Yes. It's like a nugget of a fuck. Yes. Just kind of buried underneath all this other nonsense. And you've got to, the only way to really figure it out with the exception of MDMA is like (laughs) trying things out, you know? I just really need more Molly in my life. That's the moral (laughs) of this story. No, I think it's interesting. Both of you saying that because what I feel like I've, I've been experiencing is there's two, there's two of me inside of my body. There Mm -hmm. is a woman who is a full body. Fuck. Yes. I can't wait to try this. This feels so good. And there's Mm -hmm. a little girl who's literally scared of everything. Yeah. And Bless you. I have like a whole party of parts inside of me. I'm like, there's like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, who's here? Who's yeah. present? Yeah. yeah. Like, and so I think I get confused and I get really yeah. overwhelmed. And I think that's part of my freezing is like, they're both talking at the same time and I don't know what to do. And it gets really scary. And I was even talking to my dad about this. I saw him for dinner a couple of weeks ago in California. And we were talking about how I was raised to be scared of everything. Mm-hmm. And he even said, you know, my mom passed away and he was speaking for both of them. He said, we really did you a disservice because we made you scared of everything. And that's what I feel like I'm unraveling right now is my fear of all these things, especially now that we're married and we're trying these things and we're going to get pregnant this year. There's so many fears popping up. And so I'm so glad, even though he's been driving me crazy, I'm so glad that I chose Connor because I know that he's the person that can help me navigate that. And although sometimes it results in us being frustrated with each other and not wanting the same things or just being on a different page, I am really moving out of my fear. I think so much because of his challenge of what I thought was true. That really is not mine, right? It was what it was taught to me. It's not my story and my experience. And he's helping me create a new story and a new experience for my life from scratch, which again, brings up so much discomfort, but I'm really glad that he's there to help me do this because I don't know that I would ever take those steps on my own. Mm, That's such a good question. Or that's such a good point. And I caught something in there of what you were saying. And you said, I chose Connor, which I think it was a while back. I was on a podcast and somebody asked me about um, whether I believed that love was a feeling or if it was a choice. And it was such a powerful question to sit with. Cause I think so many of us, well, we're all trying to figure out what the fuck love is. First of all, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm an expert in it. I still haven't figured it out. But, and, and so to hear you say, I chose Connor, if I were to put that question onto you, how would you answer that? Um, I believe that it's a choice because I think we can love a lot of people. I don't feel like there's just one person for us. And I think if you go down that there's one person for us, it's based on a feeling. Mm. I think that you can love a lot of people and be in love with a lot of people, whether it's at one time or over the course of your life. But I think to choose someone every day to show up with and be in the shit with and be in the joy with, Mm -hmm. I think that's a conscious choice every single day. And I think that's the only reason 
we work is because, and maybe he has a different take on this, but because we do choose each other, mm-hmm. there is a foundation of deep, deep love and respect, but there's so much more to relationship. I'm learning as a newlywed, um, <laughs> than love, like love can only take you so far, Like I yeah. love him. But when shit hits the fan and things go on, is love going to be the thing that takes us to the next step? No, yeah. it's going to be resilience and a willingness to communicate and look at ourselves and do the work and have conversations. Those are all things that I think you have to choose. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. That's how I feel. I think it's complicated too. I, I love that people want to make these things into like easy, easily digestible platitudes that are incredibly <laughs> complex. Right. So what I like to do when I try and like break things down. And one thing that I, I feel like I have a, a skill at that's why I do like a lot of political commentary now is because I like to just break down complex yeah. things and I'm kind of a human, a human behavior nerd. Right. But if you take it to the nth degree, right. Which is something that kind of makes people uncomfortable. And I think it's important to do that is like, you could say it's maybe a woman who's in a, a relationship that is where there's domestic violence, right? And they hang around for years and this happens all the time. This isn't like an oddity. Mm-hmm. That per- She probably loves that guy, right? And sees the best parts of them and there's probably some wounding there, all those kind of things. And I think some of the reason that's so hard, you have to like leave a thing that you love or know or whatever it is. And it, sure, it's toxic and codependent other things. But there, you can imagine that's probably real love in some, in some form or fashion, even though it manifests in a really toxic dangerous way. And you have to choose your way out of that thing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, like I've been in relationships, like the last year's relationship I was in before Kelly, like I loved, I loved her, but it was yeah. a fucking disaster. Like yeah. it, it, and it was, I can say, so I had to like choose and choosing to walk away from what felt like real love. And maybe, you know, we can break it down and what could it be other things? I don't know. Some kind of soul contract, whoever knows what it could be. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but it's, I think it's, it's, you got to look at the, especially when it comes to love, people only want to look at the upside. And I think there's some, there's some mm. shadow side to that as well as there is with anything. So I think that there is, there's a part of it where it's like finding love and, and also choosing, like it is a feeling and it's a choice, yeah. right? Cause you can choose to be in like a healthy, a healthy love, not like an infatuation love or, or an imbalanced situation and finding people that compliment you. It's, it's a, it's a lot of those things at one time. It's incredibly complex and trying to find a way where those all kind of mesh together seems to be, you know, that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. You can fall in love all over the place. Right. But it's, it, can you really like find it where it's, it's cohesive in the real world and the ethereal and the, in the kind of metaphysical love space, can mm-hmm. it all, can it all be copacetic? And it's, it's, to me, it's really, it's really complex. And I think even just like you're saying, like fuck yes or no, it's like, it's, that's, that's reductionist. It doesn't, that doesn't really right. hold up to that much scrutiny. So yeah. we got to look at like all sides of it. And I think that's really important to create a, kind of a robust and resilient understanding of, of, of healthy love. Right. Cause I think healthy love is a lot, is a lot more, is a lot of choice than a lot of feeling. I'd say it's 50, 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even thinking about how the nervous system plays a role in this too, you know, we get an activated nervous system and, and it has the same hormones released in the body as say like healthy love too. It just is interesting or, or passionate love, I should say passionate love. Um, but it's, there's a, there can be a confusing sense happening there, you know, and a lot of times this, um, activated nervous system, this, this constant activated nervous system oftentimes comes from a familiar state from, you know, our childhood. So how are we translating that sort of love or that definition of love from earlier times into, into, to now. So I love that you expand that and say, it, these are complex. I love how this, I love slash hate how all of these, um, 
concepts are almost like funneled into memes now. And it's like, yeah, yeah. the memification (laughs) of everything. Yeah. Meme therapy, you know, and bless. I love memes. I do a Friday meme and dump myself. But <laughs> no, I, I mean, I get, versus- I get that, that a lot because, you know, doing, doing the political commentary and things that I do now too, I'll, I'll share a meme or like a, somebody's mm-hmm. tweet or whatever. Yeah. And somebody will write this like paragraph of how that doesn't show full context. And I'm like, bitch, it's a meme. <laughs> like, what do you yeah. mean to it's like, it's not supposed to. It's not it's a novel. Of, you have, you have a limit. You have 280 characters. If you were to express full nuance, I'd need to write you a 10 page essay. So like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, relax. Okay. There's more to it than that. But the, the memification of personal development, I definitely don't think did it a service, right? Because you get to like get those quick hits of dopamine. Like it's a little, yeah. it's, a, it's a key bump of personal development. Yeah. yeah. Right. Where I it's see like myself. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh my God, that resonates with me. And I'm like, that literally resonates with everyone because it's really, <laughs> it's saying nothing, but it makes you feel good. You know, <laughs> I think that it's interesting too, as, as we're talking about this, it, it makes me feel like it's the, the story of love and the story of finding your person and the story of marriage that we've all been sold this fairy tale mm-hmm. experience that, I mean, we just got married five months ago. Um, and it's not that our ma- our wedding was a dream. It was my dream wedding, no question. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that we're married. And also it's just not what everyone tells you. It's not mm-hmm. just about love. It's not just about finding your person. Like, I feel like even before we got married, I've been feeling like part of me is dying and also an identity crisis. Yeah. And it's been super uncomfortable in this huge shift. And we've been talking a lot about getting pregnant. And so he's kind of going through his own shift right now of like, well, what does that mean for me? And like, what about doing Molly and you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's, yeah, yeah. I don't think we pay enough attention to the nuance and to the different, you know, variations of what relationships are and what they mean, because we're so focused on an Instagram picture and this cool video that you get to share with people. We still don't have ours. So not even worried about that, but you know, it's like, Oh, it's the dress and it's this. And my dress is just in a drawer now. Like, what does it mean? Now we're in it. We're in the thing together. We're doing the work every day and it is uncomfortable sometimes. And we do fight and, you know, all of that comes up and it's also amazing at the same time. But I I think it all goes back to like love choice, whatever it is. I think we're all kind of fed a lie from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what your show is about. Our show is about is figuring out what your story is, navigating Mm -hmm. what you want your life to look like and what are your yeses? What are your no's and what boundaries and edges are you willing to push to create a life that is right for you and not someone else, which is what our relationship started with. He said from the very beginning, I want us to create a relationship based on our rules. No one else's. Mm. And I really feel like that's the whole point. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yes. And how much most of uh, how much we've we're fed this idea that marriage is the set point, the goal, you know, we move towards that or we move towards relationship and, and, is that, that's not necessarily, that's not accurate for all of us by far, you know, and, and yet it's almost like, and then we get there and then what happens? We're now enlightened. We're all free. We're liberated. Like, no, (laughs) that's not the case. Or even we're safe. You know, once we're married, we're safe and we're all seeking love and, and safety, you know, and, but then even that is an illusion too, because even those shift and change and die and rebirth in even just the same relationship or the next relationship. Um, did, was there a moment in your relationship for the two of you that you dropped in and you were like, Oh, I can finally fully be myself here where I can be truly me here. A moment. Yeah. Or moments where you I can't think of a moment. 
Let me try to think about this. You go ahead, Kelly. You're better at this stuff than I am. Well, I feel you probably actually know more about me in this scenario than I know about myself. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why we're married. I think that when our puppy died, he, he mm-hmm. was in an accident. Um, I think when he died, that was Connor's permission slip and Connor is, was there's Connor pre Remy passing away and there's Connor post. He became a very different person, but I think he just became more of himself. Um, he softened so much. There's like Connor always jokes, like I'm the asshole, I'm the douchebag. And there's definitely that, you know, part of him. And that's kind of how he goes about like being funny and all of those things and relating. But at the same point, that's really just kind of a facade. It's like a protection mechanism. And I think when Remy died, you got to see many more layers and facets of who Connor was because he, he didn't have the energy or the space to hide anymore because it was just constant crying and, you know, on the floor, like, how am I going to get up today? You know, it was like a really, really dark time for us. And I think that that's when the walls came down and he became more of himself and he was always fun and, you know, silly and all of that. But I think since then he's become just more playful and more relaxed and doesn't have to put on a show as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Does that resonate with you? No, that, that situation fucked me up so bad in a good way, probably, but not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it again. No, right. <laughs> you know right. no, but it was, I remember when we, we got the news that that had happened and he was 10 months old and we were like, me and him were like, we had this really close relationship. We were like best friends. And it was, I remember before I started crying, which didn't stop for days. Um, I just remember thinking, and I never had this experience where I was kind of outside of myself and it's like really objective space. Mm. And I was like, this moment is going to change my life forever. I've had that happen a couple of times, but it was just like, I could feel all the like hurt inside of me, like about to just like come out. And it was, it was just such an interesting and unique, I'd never felt like that. And I've lost people in my life before, but never, it just wasn't, I mean, it gave me so much empathy for people who like lose kids or something like that. I was just, I couldn't even, this was just my puppy, you know, like it was, and we were super close and he was my little homie, but I couldn't imagine in a different situation. So it did, there was a, like um, a level of empathy that I understood for just like suffering that changed mm-hmm. me quite a bit. And I think that does a lot. A lot of people get that same experience. I mean, people that do things like survive cancer and stuff like that. You just yeah. get it. It's just like, it, it just, it opens up this like panel into a more empathetic way of being, I think mm-hmm. through deep sorrow, which changed me a lot. I mean, I would say it changed me more than any psychedelic experience. And I've had yeah. numerous that have changed my life and changed the complete trajectory of my life, but not, I think that changed who I was for sure. And I was so just exhausted that there wasn't a whole lot of, there wasn't a whole lot of space in me for putting on a show for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause it takes too much. It takes a lot of energy to exude and put out something that isn't authentic and naturally flowing in us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't and know I, what my answer is. What, what would your answer be for me? I think it was when you got, as much as we keep talking about it, I think it, a lot of it had to do when you got comfortable with being with women and when you were with, yeah. Roxanne, <laughs> I don't remember what her, what her fake name was, uh, by yourself for a few times. Like you had that, you, that changed you a lot. And a lot of your, is I'm, you know, a lot of your like growth came from sexuality, I would say more so mm-hmm. than mine. Yeah. So that was a lot of more of your pathway. It seemed like as I was, as I look at it, um, over that few months where of course things, and there was a lot of changing going on, which you being a fan of control, like did make you quite anxious and like threw things off. But then through that is still, that was all kind of part of the process. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think 
um, so we dated this girl for about six months and I think that was the catalyst for so many things for me Mm. in being more of myself and feeling like I didn't have to hide anymore or feel like, Oh, that's not allowed. You can't have those feelings or desires. And also processing a lot of my need to control and my anxiety and my fear, which the same feelings I had when we were dating her, the ones that are coming up now, which has been really interesting. Mm. It's like mirroring the same physical feelings I was having. And it's all my fear is, is, am I going to be rejected? Is this okay? Am I doing something wrong? Am I too free? I don't feel like I'm in control. Those are all the things that come up for me. And that was the first time I feel like I was really able to explore that and to have the duality of, wow, I've never felt more like myself and wow, I've never been more scared. Well, and mm. I think it also challenged your paradigm on feelings and relationship because you had feelings for two people at one time. Yeah. And it fucked me the and fuck it, up. <laughs> it and it, but it, it, <laughs> it, it actually made our relationship better, it did. which was, which I think is then that they, they like puts a lot of your conditioning on relationships, like on his head Yeah, mm-hmm. in a weird way. Well, and I think too, sorry, we just keep talking, but um, great. It is your, your therapist. So <laughs> our therapist for the hour, um, I think what I am learning still, and I just said this to Connor right before we started recording with you is I didn't trust him back then. Uh, even uh, what was that just a year ago? I didn't trust him. I didn't know that I could trust him. I've never been in this experience before. So I was starting from scratch. I'm like, oh, this guy's telling me that it's okay that I'm with this girl and that we're all together and there's all these things and that he's not going to leave me. And I was still so in my abandonment wounding back then Mm -hmm. that I couldn't see clearly. And I just thought he's trying to fuck this up or he's trying to have sex with someone without me and all these things. Mm -hmm. And now I, I really... I trust him. And we're talking about these different scenarios that I never would have been okay with before. And I realize he's not going to do anything to jeopardize our relationship. And if something comes up where he's like, Hey, we need to talk. I'm having feelings for this person or something's going on. I know that we've created the foundation to have that conversation, but I feel that so much of this is my ability to trust him and then also trust myself, Mm -hmm. trust him to be free and have his space and trust myself to be able to be free and have my space. And when you use the word trust, I love asking people this, but like, what do you mean by trust? That's another big concept that people, you know, just say, yeah, I trust you. But what is that actually like in the body? What is that experience like? Yeah. I mean, trust to me feels like integrity and honesty and you're going to do what you say and you're going to walk the walk. And yeah, it feels, it feels like a sense of peace and calm in my body, knowing that I'm sending him off to go on a date with some girl that I've never met and I'm at home and I don't even think about it because I trust him to mm-hmm. be in integrity with his word and our relationship and our agreements mm-hmm. that I don't even have to second guess it. Yeah. And we're able to do that now, but I could never have done that six months ago, a year ago. Yeah. And it's, it's a feeling. And I think that it takes practice Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of communication and he thinks a lot differently than I do. We're very different people. And so for me, it's been a lot of questioning of, but what's going on in your mind right now? Or if you're in this scenario, what are you thinking? Because I will go on a totally different direction. And he's like, how the fuck did you end up there? And I'm like, I don't know, but that's why it helps me for you to explain yourself. I know it's annoying, but then once he explains himself, I just don't have to think about it again. Cause I'm like, oh, well that's how his brain works. That makes sense. You know? 
So I love that. So you're thinking through the lens of him instead of trying to think through the lens of you and how you understand and what's meaningful for you, which builds that, that, that trust piece, which like trust doesn't ensure certainty of an outcome, but it does having these qualities, like you're saying, does allow us to lean in uh, and feel more secure and safe, even though we don't have the outcome. Yes. And I think like, I'll give an example for anyone who's like, well, what do you mean? So Connor, it really matters to Connor to be friends with the people that we hook up with. Yeah. For me, it doesn't. Not always, but well, not always, but it's kind of important to him, like for the most part. (laughs) And so I know that now that's taken a lot of conversation to get there. And I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? Well, this girl that we're going out with tonight, he's friends with her. I've never met her. I've never talked to her. I've seen like one picture of her. Yeah. Um, and I know a little bit cause he shared that with me. I just, I don't really care to like, just be her friend to be her friend. Right. Maybe yeah. I will be who knows, yeah. but anyways, Connor wants to be able to go do things with her. He's like, can I go get a beer with her? Can I go ski with her? Can I do these things? And my old pattern says that's not okay. He's going to leave you. But now yeah. that I know how he is, he we'll just go have a beer with this person, like a friend without the idea of, Oh, I'm going to sleep with her later. That just yeah, yeah, probably yeah. will never cross his mind unless it's something that we've talked about or something comes up where it's like, yeah, that's what we want to do. He could literally go have a beer with this girl and it just not be a thing. He could go ski with her and it not be a thing. But my old self is like, what about this? And don't touch her like this. And what if you flirt too much? And da, uh-huh. da, da. And so now I'm like, no, you've talked about this. And what does he tell you about how he operates? Oh, okay. Okay. Connor, you can go do this thing. I feel safe with it. Yeah. That's literally how the conversation goes between us and in my head. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the the pausing and remembering what his, his lens is perhaps what his sensitivities, his vulnerabilities, like that is the work. Like we can't (laughs) be in these relationships in our own selves. And I think this is what, what, uh, how life is psychedelic, like we're talking about psychedelics that, that you ingest, but like life is psychedelic here. You are talking about these, these moments, Connor, where, you know, this, uh, this trauma that happened really shook up your life and, and, you know, had you questioning things. And then for you, where it was at, at questioning these uh, ideas of sex and relationship, you know, and, and realizing I love two people at the same time, like that is psychedelic. Mm-hmm. It's, it is the breaking down of the constructs. It is being able to narrow in and focus on what, yeah, how we are defining these things and how, how, what are we allowing to create our reality? And so I, I really applaud you for being able to do that work for the, for the two of you. And, and I think even for everybody to see how two people who are different, the two people who think differently, um, it can be in a very powerful, healthy relationship. And it's not that, okay, because they think this way. And I think this way, we're not going to work. I don't actually believe that in my practice. I don't believe that in, 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 um, in life. I actually think it can lend to polarity and interest and, and attraction because of that. Yeah. You're attracted to me because I get anxious, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, and it's funny too, with the, with the, with the dates and things like this, like we've had these conversations and initially when that started, I was, I was like, Kelly, do you want me to go? Is this a job interview? Am I, am I supposed to treat this like a job interview? Is that what you think? Do you think that's going to, you think that's going to yield results? Like, it's like, no, you like, well, I don't want you to, I'm like, dude, of course I flirt with everybody I talk to. This is just how I am as a normal yeah. human being. He like, flirts with dudes. So it's like, it's yeah. like it just, but it's like, it was so funny. I'm like, you need to just understand like either I don't need to do it or you need to get your mind around the fact that it's like kind of a date thing with like yeah. rules. 
you know, it's, it was, it's, it's hilarious, but it is, it's like, it's fun to watch the amount of change. And it's really impressive to me how much Kelly's like adapted to this whole situation, having not sought it out. Like I did, like I, I, I sought out, I wanted to be with a woman who was into women. I knew that there was like, I looked, I like, and I did some reflection on my relationships that were like, what was missing or what was, what were like these primary points of tension. And I was like, well, even like bringing up other women and just, just as a, in, in conversation, right. Or saying like, when Kelly and I first started dating, this is hilarious. Did I say, was it Natalie Portman? I was like, God, she's such a babe. Yeah. Like, I'm Agreed. like, she, she got mad at me. And I, I was like, full on meltdown. I was like, it's Natalie Portman. Like, it's not like this is a person I even will ever meet in my whole life. She was just in some mood. I thought she looked good with a buzz cut and V for vendetta. I don't know what, like, I'm, this is, am I, a, is this a problem? Like, it doesn't affect me. If you say David Beckham has a rocking body, I'm like, yeah, he does. Like, great. Except, except I know David Beckham. So I mean, <laughs> well, still, either, either way, but it's like, even then I'm like, I don't, well, well that's not me. Like, I'm, it doesn't yeah. make me less attractive that there's like other attractive people in the world. Um, but it's so this, going from that into where we're at now, it's like, it's, it's a total game changer. Yeah. How was that worked through? That's a very vulnerable experience to have. Um, which part? And, and, a, and a common one, right? We hear our partner attracted to somebody else, whether it's yeah. a celebrity or it's somebody down the street. And, and we have, uh, like you said, a meltdown. Uh-huh. I, I am still working on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it has nothing to do with him. And Kat, I'm sure you will agree with this to some degree is as women, we are taught there's not enough space for all of us, whether in relationships or work or social media, um, that it's always a comparison Mm -hmm. that if you have a successful podcast, that means mine isn't as good. If you have an amazing relationship, that means mine is failing that Mm -hmm. if you're prettier than me, then I'm not good enough. And Mm -hmm. so there's this constant kind of, I don't know, just all these words in my head that are telling me you're not good enough. You're not lovable. They're going to leave you. And I think working in the TV industry for so long, I had multiple eating disorders. Every boss had an opinion about my legs and my dress and my hair and guys only talked to me if they wanted to fuck me. And so Mm -hmm. I just had this really convoluted idea of who I was and coming into our relationship was really hard because Connor challenges everything. That's just his nature. And again, I love that about him. And I do feel like that's why I've chosen him in this life. And at the same time, it's, it's one of the hardest things for me is to challenge that constant narrative. And so we have had a bajillion conversations about this and he'll say, so-and-so is attractive. And I have to go into my quiet place and I have to repeat mantras. Like just because she is attractive doesn't mean I am not just because he thinks she's attractive. Doesn't mean he thinks I'm not, I have to tell myself those things over and over again. And it may sound really like silly and stupid, but for me, that has helped me get to a point where he will comment on a girl and I will be like, yeah, she is hot, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I get to, to share that with him. And so I just think it's a a constant process and evolution. And also knowing that even if he were to choose someone else one day, Mm -hmm. he's like, you know what? I am leaving you and I am going to go be with this girl. And maybe we've had Mm -hmm. a threesome or maybe he just met her at the gym and like fell in love with her. I don't know. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really hard as women to wrap our minds around. And so I do think that 
showing ourselves grace and understanding that it's a process to get to that point, at least in my opinion, um, I think that's the best thing that you can do for yourself. Mm, when on, yeah. on my side of that too, just jump in here and give you the kind of the full picture is that I, where I was wrong in the situation was that I wasn't saying that enough to Kelly. Right. Which is, which also a problem of other, other relationships, but Kelly was the one that articulated it in a way that I understood where it's like for every time I bring up, um, somebody being attractive, I could probably count on two hands, the amount of times that I've talked about that Kelly's ass. Right. Like it's just like, so it's like, it's balanced. It's the, the, the ratio is right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it took me being realizing that. And then now it's natural. I don't really think about it, but for a while I had to be, cause I think in my mind as a dude, I'm just like, well, I'm here. So like, she must know that I think she's hot, like, right, <laughs> which, yeah. is, which is dumb. You know, we don't think about those kind of things, but knowing like how important that was to like make yeah. comments when I notice them and things like that, because I do notice them, but I wouldn't say anything it, yeah. which is silly. I'm like, looking back now, I'm like, that was kind of odd. Like, why would I not looking at how easy it is now, you know, yeah. even in the gym or waking up in the morning, it just whenever, just throughout the day, it's not like it's contrived. It just it flows naturally now. And that took a lot of the tension off too. Yeah. Because it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was, Oh, Kelly's insecure. And that's the problem. It was, there was, I, I had a, a, an equal part to play in the whole situation that I mm -hmm. didn't realize because in previous relationships when that would come up, it would be a fight. It wouldn't be a conversation. Mm -hmm. It'd be like a, this is the problem. And I'm like, so it, and then, then I get defensive. And then when you get defensive, you dig your heels in and you don't want to acknowledge that you were wrong. Right. <laughs> So in this, we're like, oh yeah, like that makes, I totally get it. And like words of affirmation and these other things, yeah. it's really important. So I, I, we bat, we kind of met in the middle with that where it's yeah. now it's like a more fun it's and now because we did that, it's fun now. Yeah. And now yeah. we're like argue about this girl. And I, for whatever reason, I have a thing for like girls with big noses. I don't know what it is, but it, it, it exists. And every time I'm like, oh, like she's a babe. And Kelly's like, because she has a big nose. <laughs> Literally, every time. And then he's like, have you seen your schnoz? And he'll take pictures of me from the side. And he's like, is your nose not huge? And I'm like, Jesus Christ. But it's, I, like, it's like, play, it's, it's playful and it's fun. Yeah, no, it is. Being like a contentious thing. Well, and thank you for saying that. I really do appreciate that. And I also want to add in, I think that's part of our relationship growth in general is we have, we have spent a lot of time getting to know each other and listening. Mm. and really hearing the needs of the other person. And we, in many different aspects of our lives, have been very selfish people. And I think that that's something I'd like to credit us both with is I think we do an amazing job. And maybe it's not like when it's first brought up, sometimes it takes time. Mm -hmm. But I think we've done an amazing job of really listening to what the other person needs. And Connor gave a perfect example. I am a words of affirmation girl. Mm -hmm. Till the day I die, I will need words of affirmation. It is my fucking love language and touch like words of affirmation and touch. That's it. He has never been a words of affirmation person. He is a quality time person. Mm. And so we were just missing each other over and over again. It was like, Jesus Christ. Like, why are we yeah. constantly annoying each other? And finally we both started working on showing up the way the other person needed us to. And it was yeah. like all the tension dissolved. It was like, Oh, you're giving me words of affirmation. I'm spending quality time with you. I'm not trying to give you words of affirmation and you don't pay attention. And then you feel like I'm not hearing you or seeing you. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's been a huge shift in our relationship for sure. Mm -hmm. Next time that I ask you to come help me do something in the house where you don't actually help me do anything, but you just stand there. I'm going to remind you that my love language is quality time. I spend 
all my time with you doing everything with you. So please don't even fucking like, start with me. I'm like, help me fix this thing outside. And you're like, you don't need me. And I was like, yeah, but I do. Yeah. So he just wants me to stand there and watch him. He's like, look at me. I mean, so fun. It makes as much sense as your words of affirmation stuff does to me. So, so there's a shared responsibility and even the, the moments, even the events itself of being able to say, okay, I, I can see how I'm contributing to this, you know, leading up. And then Kelly being able to say, I'm working with these parts of me that come up and say these things with, which is so important for all of us. Even for me, who's a therapist, I do that same practice and we call it titration. Can I sit Mm -hmm. with the previous statement that, that keeps bugging me and keeps poking me and telling me that something's wrong and I need to protect myself versus the, the other cognition that we want to be, uh, stepping into or reminding ourselves that we are, we're this adult self with our, these other wisdoms, insights, resources, skills that we didn't have access to when we were younger. And so the two of you being able to come together is what makes that change. And people don't get into that. It's almost like we get into this blaming or getting, trying to get the other person to see us over and over again. And that's where we butt heads and get stuck in this gridlock is like, you're not seeing me. Well, you're not seeing me. Right. And then like, nobody's like actually taking the responsibility for their part. Cause mm-hmm. we, we do have a part in it. Yeah. yeah. I think part of it too, is like Kelly will do stuff and I'm sure it's the same way. And I just don't need to understand why. I'm just like, I don't get it. Whatever, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, do your thing. Like, I'm going to just keep doing my thing. And it's, it goes both ways. Yeah. But it's not like everything has to be, I don't have to understand everything. Like, I don't need to have a, a, a rationale or an understanding of why Kelly needs to do, d- redesign the living room for the third time in five months. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But it's like, hey, do you need me to help you move the coffee table? Like, that's, you know, it's like, it is what it is. I'm just like, okay, I'm here. Like, this is, it's fun. It's kind of funny. It's kind of cute. It, it becomes cute after a while and not, but it's, it's the need to try to like get in there and like dig in it. It, just, it doesn't, in some things, I think it's just better left to be like, oh, we're different people. And that's kind of what makes us fun. You know, Kelly grew up being perfectionist and I was, uh, I don't know, not. a spring, spring <laughs> matchbooks with WD 40 and trying to start fires in my house. Like, it, you know what I mean? It's like, we were just, I was jumping off my house into the pool while she was like scared to do anything. Yeah. It's just, we're different people, you know, yeah. well, it's different stuff like that. I think too, that speaks to not making your person, your everything. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have always been extremely codependent. My mom and I had a very unhealthy codependent relationship. And so all of my romantic relationships have reflected that. And I never understood that your partner is not supposed to be your everything. I thought that was how this worked. And when we got into our relationship and then we moved to Colorado and then COVID hit, uh, we learned real quick about how fucking much space we needed from each other. Um, But I think it taught us a lot about finding other people to fill those needs. And I have an incredible group of friends that I can Mm. process this shit out of my stuff with, Mm -hmm. and they will help me find meaning in all of it. And we will talk to aliens and we will, you know, talk to plants. And I feel so great because I get to scratch that itch. Mm. If I bring Mm. that shit to Connor, he looks at me like, what the fuck are you doing? And what are you talking about? Like, I don't, I'm not even on your wavelength. And so I think that has helped us a lot too, because 
you know, and he has his hunting buddies and like all these Uh people he wants to do other stuff with. And I I think we took the pressure off each other to do all of that with, to process all of that with. So now we can look at each other and be like, oh, this is just what you do. And like, if you want to talk about it, maybe you'll talk to me, maybe you'll talk to someone else. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. But I think fulfilling ourselves in a lot of different ways is actually what has helped us with that too. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) And it's funny because you know, to come to me, if you want to actually fix a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Not to just like lollygag talk about it. Which is the, ma- which is the masculine, like, you know, personified. Yeah. It is, but it's, sure. and there's something to listen as well too, and just be like, okay, that's, I, I hear you, you yeah. know, I get yeah. it. But also it's, Hey, there's a problem, right. With the business or something's going on and we get up, put some fires out. Like that's where I'm like more, I'm more engaged in that versus you know, you've got your girls, you get Katie, you can call, talk about my inner child healing that he didn't want yeah. to listen to. I was over here. Wor- I was over here working. I was like in the middle of two different things. I had, it was something was going on. I had an audio issue on the podcast and I had to like re I had to re-record the whole thing. It was the whole deal. And Kelly came on and she's like, I just had this really great realization about my inner child. And I was like, what did <laughs> I look like I'm in the fucking place to be talking about inner child right now? Like I'm, I have to get this done like yesterday. <laughs> and she just kept talking. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> and cool. how do you, yeah. How do you honor that that's meaningful for her? Um, in that situation, I was like, I have plenty of time to talk about that later. But uh-huh. right now I'm doing this, yeah, um, yeah. but no, and if that, that kind of stuff comes up, like I can definitely hold space for that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. just not, but I'm not the sisterhood circle. You know what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. like knowing where I have the capacity to do that or us both, both knowing that. Right. Yeah. Cause it is, it's fun for me to a point yeah, yeah, if, it's, yeah. if constant processing all the time, like that's not, yeah, I don't have a lot of familiarity with, I've been through that, those phases in my life, but that's not necessarily how I live. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's this, it's this like on road trips and shit like that. Great time for that kind of stuff. Just like yeah. pontificating about whatever. Um, so, so what I've yeah, learned, Kelly, Kelly, yeah, you know more than I do about myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you're not answering this the I'm way, fine. the way that it actually works. So <laughs> Connor came to me a long time ago and said, I need you to stop interrupting me in the middle of the day to process your stuff. I'm in the middle of working and I am someone who I'm working on this. Like for you to bring that in, it now derails me. I don't have a personality that can handle this. And so, yes, yeah, stuff comes up that's like urgent where I'm having a meltdown. I'm on IVF hormones and I like can't see straight. And I'm like, no, we're doing this now at noon and I don't care what you're doing. But for the most part, I've learned two things. One, try and wait until the end of the day when he's not in the middle of working to approach him with something that's come up if it's not urgent. And two, try and process a lot of the emotion before coming to him because when I come to him, and I've cried already and I've like kind of had my realization and then I come to share it with him and maybe further excavate it. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. If mm-hmm. I come a wailing mess all over the place and I can't come up with words and he's in the middle of working, it's a disaster because he, it doesn't make sense in his brain. He's like, I don't get why this is happening. And I don't even get what's happening. I'm just crying. Well, then I can't quit thinking about it for the rest of the day. So like my, like a third of my brain power is now gone to like, what was that about? Yeah. And so, (laughs) and me, I don't know if this is healthy or not, but this is just kind of how we work now is I wait until I've like kind of had a little bit of an experience and then I come to him and then he'll help me sift through it and whether it's make sense of it or come to a conclusion or whatever. Um, 
And I just try not to interrupt him with those things unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. yeah. When you were on IVF, that was a completely different scenario, Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Like that sure, was a whole, that's an outlier situation. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I hear that's how, yeah. Both being able to recognize the, the strengths and the, the, that the other person have, or even the limitations of the other person and not trying to project that they're, they are supposed to be able to hold and do and be all of these things that we're asking them to, to, for our fulfillment. Yes. While also I it's, and this is something I tell my clients and my students all the time of like, you, what your partner enjoys and what they find fulfillment in may not be meaningful for you, but you, can you find the joy in their excitement about it? Can you connect with the, the excitement of how they're finding this playful? You know, you're watching a, a show together and it's really exciting for them. And you're like, oh my God, this is the most boring thing. But you look over at your partner and they're like excited and they're like in it and they want to talk about it. And so it's, it's more of like being with that part rather than having to be able to volley back and forth about this truck show. I don't know. <laughs> Literally. I was just thinking, Kat, if I have to watch one more video about a truck on YouTube, I'm going to shoot myself. Like it's so funny, but I love this about Connor. He's such a little boy when it comes to hunting and trucks and four wheelers and things like that, or even training the puppy for hunting, he gets so excited and he wants to just share everything and tell me everything. And Oh my God, look at it. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I literally don't care, but I love watching him be so happy. So mm -hmm. I sit there and I listen and I nod and I take in as much information as I can. And it's not my thing. I'd rather talk about mushrooms and souls choosing bodies, but that's not what he wants to do. That's not what brings him the most joy. Yeah. And then I hope that because I'm so good at listening and playing along and being a part of his experience that he'll come along for my wild adventure and listen to me talking about God knows what and nod and smile and be happy because I'm happy. And I just spilled Topo Chico all over the table. Um, Sexy. but I think, yeah, I don't know. I think we do a good job of kind of balancing those two out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Like there is a big difference because I'm, a, I get obsessed with figuring things out. Right. Uh -huh. If I'm going to do a new thing, if we're gonna get, we had to get an ATV to plow the driveway up here <laughs> because it's like feet of snow, like two feet of snow fall. And I'm like, okay, we gotta get out, get our cars out of here. But it's not like, Oh, go get one. It's like, what's the best one. What's going to have the best longevity. I'm about to get a new truck because we're about to have kids and that's the whole thing. So I'm like tons of research and I have to have someone to talk it out with. Right. Like I've driven one of my friends crazy talking about trucks for like three months, trying to figure out what to do. But it, it's like, sometimes I'm like, this, I'm do, these are things that I'm doing for us. Like I need your, I need you to just sit and hear me talking out, you know? Uh, it, to me, it's for us. I don't know. Uh -huh. It seems like a thing. He like, justifies you don't, everything. You don't, plow the, you don't plow the driveway. <laughs> a baby will at one point be near this object. It's for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. But yeah, no, it's just like, that's a, that's a, it's 1000% a personality quirk in the same way that Kelly talking about aliens and souls choosing bodies. And yeah. yeah. Wanting to talk about mushrooms a lot, even though I have 17 times the mushroom experience. That you do. It's just the phase I'm in. It's okay. Well, and that's also been, and, you know, to send you down another rabbit hole, like a point of contention, because I know you talk about psychedelics a lot. Kelly and I have very different experiences with psychedelics. Perfect. And that has actually been yeah. a, a, like, it's a, it's a been a legitimate issue. Yeah. Let's get the cable out of the water there. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Please don't electrocute yourself on my yeah. show. Like, I um, like kinky things, but that might be not. We're not going yeah, there. Are actually, we wanted to get one of those little shock toys though. We talked about that for a while. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, no, we've definitely, I, 
I'm newer on my journey with psychedelics. The first time I did mushrooms was with him on one of our first dates three years ago. Wow. Yeah. I had never done anything and I had done ayahuasca a month before that. And that was my first ceremony. And so I, I find that I'm much more spiritual and woo. And I just kind of, you know, I'm in the experience and it's uh, very, I'm very sensitive. So I can take yeah. very little and just blast it off. And I also feel that I have still very much been in the deep processing and purging yeah. aspect of psychedelic mm. and, you know, plant medicine. Mm-hmm. He did that far before me. And now he's in the, I want to have fun. I want to be in public. I want to do three grams and, you know, just like have a conversation or like have mm-hmm. cool sex or, and I just haven't been able to meet him there. And so it has definitely been a point of contention and my control gets in the way and I want it to be a certain way. And I'm again, so scared. My fear pops in. It's like, but what if this, and what if that? And so we've had a lot of conversations. I don't know that we've come to any sort of conclusion, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been hard. And I think that's something that we definitely are on very different pages with. And I wish that I could have more fun and do Mm -hmm. and I have in certain ways, but never really with him because I always end up like, deeply processing and crying. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm just trying to fucking chill. And it's kind of a reflection of our personalities in a way. Anyway, but I'm actually curious because Kat, since you're the third party here and you have experience as well with me, and this is even from early on and I call it like negotiating with the mushrooms, right? Mushrooms in particular, because I just have a different, (laughs) I always call them like uncle mushroom. It's like a different, that's what, that's the kind of energy I get from those. Um, But it doesn't matter. It could be seven grams or half of a gram. I feel like I can kind of have a little bit more influence on what's happening and what kind of experience I'm having. Not always 1000%, not always, I'd say 80% of the time I can like negotiate with them and be like, Hey, like, what's that about? Or are we really going to go there right now? Like, is that really what we're going to do? Can we, not, can we do that next time? You know, and just have those mm-hmm. kind of things Whereas I feel like, and, and I also don't take the experiences literally. And I think that's one of the big, the biggest gaps between Kelly and I is like, the mushroom said this thing. So this must be true. And I'm like, it may be true for you. That doesn't mean it's the truth, you know, capital mm-hmm. T truth, mm-hmm. but uh, some, uh, that's where we've gotten, I've gotten frustrated where, where it's like, Hey man, like we're trying to have a good time. <laughs> like you don't, We don't need to be crying now. And it's not, and this maybe like, it's it been it, it given me more apprehension around doing psychedelics because I'm nervous that it's going to open up this whole thing. Sure. And that's going to be, what it is. And yeah. that may not be like the best place for that scenario to go down. Yeah. 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 It does. And it, it's, it's interesting because as you're talking, I, I equate it to the stages of sexual progression too, in our, in our evolution. Uh, so we move constantly through these different stages, stages of resting stages of healing, then into curiosity, adventure, and then transcendence. So if you think of that as a sexual journey, you know, some days we may be in adventurous and then we might have to drop back into healing and then we'll have to uh, move our way into curiosity again. And then now we're resting because our relationship is, you know, somebody's uh, become, sexless or we're, we're consciously choosing, uh, celibacy or whatever it is. And similarly, I think with psychedelics too, is that we can move through these different stages and then we oscillate between, you know, something might crack open and then we'll end up in healing again and we'll be bawling and we'll be having this experience. And then, then some days we'll be meeting God and you know, like <laughs> hanging out with God up there, you know, like whatever. And, and so I think part of that is having the, just the understanding that we're just in two different stages in this exact moment. Like you said, uh, 
Kelly, I'm purging. I'm moving through these things. I'm discovering, I'm releasing, I'm breaking through, you know, whatever the, this, this part of me that's protecting me with the use of, of, um, uh, uh, rules and control and, and, um, uh, yeah, I don't know what, what other, whatever, yeah, just fear uh, protective general. parts in there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So I think there's that element too, but then there's also so many, and this is where I talk about how ketamine assisted therapy can be really powerful for sex therapy too, of like, or any psychedelics really, but you can go into these experiences and gain these new reference points and these new skills that you can then uh, translate into, into the other, other world. And so with some of you, sounds like the, both of you are learning these, these different skills or accessing these different reference points, just in the current stage that you're in, in that space that, um, it, yeah, that are just different. You're just pulling out different pieces that it isn't necessarily, um, yeah, wrong or in, and I'm not saying that you're thinking that it's wrong, but yeah, it's just not, not meeting in the same place. They're not translating to meet one another in this exact moment. Yeah. And that's, it's really interesting. And it's, it's, it's always so like the psychedelic experience is so subjective. Like it's, it's your mm-hmm. own, it's one of the things that's just your own thing. It's very similar to sex in that way where it's, yeah. there's a million different ways you can go about it. I almost always, especially on higher doses of things have it, like I call a tour guide. Right. Mm. And they, for whatever reason, always have an accent, different accents, never American. <laughs> like I went to the dark, uh, it felt like the origin place of dark feminine desire on mm. five grams of mushrooms. Mm. One of the coolest things ever. That woman was such a bitch, but it was like, so fun. Mm-hmm. It was like the weirdest, it was the weirdest, craziest things, but I was like able to, I'm like communicating, I'm like talking to this mm-hmm. being you know, who just looks like a person, but has a British yeah. accent for whatever reason, it's kind of like in a dominatrix situation, but it was just this crazy weird thing where I feel like whenever Kelly tells me about her experiences, it's just, it's, it's nothing it's like, not that. like that, where it, which <laughs> yeah. is, which is also kind of cool, but mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's a, it's a delicate dance. For it doesn't sure. make sense to him. And so he gets frustrated and yeah. I, for, for me, I'm like, well, why don't we just have our own experiences? Because when I do mushrooms, the mushrooms are just talking to me. I just hear a constant state of talking. It's just like, it's just coming through me. I don't know how else to describe it, but I don't have a guide. I am just asking questions. I'm being given answers. I'm seeing things like laid out, like plans laid out. Like I've written entire websites when I'm on mushrooms. I've, you know, things just like, I see the whole thing happen and I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, clarity. Um, and so that's how I have those experiences. He is just on a totally different journey. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. Yeah. And where some people could trade with you one day. I wish I could be with you. Maybe this weekend. Yeah, maybe so. And we're and we're doing combo and mushrooms this weekend. So. A combo. I'm trained in combo. Oh, that's what girl. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's good. amazing. It's, yeah. it's really powerful. And that'll be a whole nother episode, but that's powerful in, in trauma, a lot of trauma yes. work and, and autoimmune too. So mm-hmm. another tangent, but there's, you know, it's the enough profitability of be of psychedelics of like, yes, you can talk about it, but you can't fully encapsulate your experience. So there's such an existential question of like, I want to share with you this experience to make us closer, but there's also this, just by the nature of the psychedelics in our own experience of like, you can't possibly know exactly what I had. So, so I am in my own spiritual journey. This is a solo experience, even though you're here. So I feel 
this connection and oneness with you, but I don't at the same time, cause I can't actually share with you everything that's going on. And so yeah. it's just like this, uh, yeah, like I said earlier, life is psychedelic because it, it, you know, breaks down these contra constructs, but like in psychedelics, you're like literally breaking down these yeah. constructs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like here's, you can perceive all things at one time. Enjoy that. It's yeah. Like, oh, that's yeah, a lot. Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this has been really powerful. I, I do have a couple of listener questions. So for anybody oh, really? who follows me on Instagram at sex, love yoga, um, I put, uh, take follower questions and I put them to my guest experts. So I have a couple of them here for you to, to answer. Uh, the first one is I know that vulnerability is important, but I literally don't know how to start that with somebody. It feels awkward to just start talking about myself. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Any, any thoughts about vulnerability and how to introduce that or initiate that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, um, I, I found it really helpful in the beginning to journal before I talked to Connor. Mm -hmm. I think that I had a lot of things kind of stuck in my body. And so I think when it's stuck in your body, you create a lot of stories around it. You put a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, and so I was really into journaling at the time. And so I would just write pages and pages of whatever it was. And then once I had it on the page, I could then kind of see it. It was like, it had a, a physicalness to it. Right. And then you see it in front of yourself and you're like, Oh wow. Okay. That's not that bad. Or, Oh, okay. Now I have the words. It was a feeling before. Now I've been mm -hmm. able to put words to it. And now I can present this to him in a way that actually sounds like English. Um, yeah. and I also would go through a lot of emotions with it while it was pouring onto the page so that I didn't come to him in a crumbling mess. I came to him with some sort of clarity and Hey, this is what's going on. And I don't really have an answer, but this is X, Y, Z. Um, mm -hmm. And then I also have been in therapy almost our whole relationship. And yeah. so I think that has been really helpful too. When I have something that feels complicated or maybe I don't think it's going to resonate with him in the same way, maybe it would with a woman, I would talk to my therapist about it. And I love my therapist that I've worked with because they they give me the Connor perspective. They, they know a lot about him and they'll say, well, from his perspective, blah, blah, blah. And so mm -hmm. I kind of go in knowing um, not knowing what his response is going to be, but again, seeing through his lens, mm -hmm. not just seeing through mine. Yeah. And so I think it allows me to be more comfortable in the conversation and just have a little more confidence going into it rather than just like, I have this feeling, I don't know, like, this is me <laughs> and him being like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. And I, I think it's really important to, I usually, when I, with my, with my clients, when I would coach, it was we did say like, okay, the first time you drove a car, right. It's mm -hmm. like, Oh, you got to figure out which way the blinker is like, which one goes, which way, like mm -hmm. doing different things. Like sometimes you put it in drive and you mean to put it in reverse. It's the first time you have sex, the first handful of times you're like, where do my hands go? How much kissing is too much kissing? Am I with, you know, like ouch, ouch, you're on my hair type of situation. <laughs> Vulnerability is very much the same way. Right. Or just being able to just being open with anyone. You got to have some grace with yourself and be like, I'm not going to be great at this at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I might over talk or I might not share enough. But the only way you're going to get really context on what feels right is one, really being engaged with the other person that you're talking to, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to like, even though you're asking to be, you're in a position where you need someone to be hold space for you while you're vulnerable, you still mm -hmm. have to have empathy for that person, right? Yeah. So understanding kind of like what their capacity is and being able yeah. to sort of read cues because you know, someone's like, wow, that's crazy. Like seven times, they, you probably lost them. 
You know what I'm yeah. saying? And maybe they weren't there. Maybe you introduced it too early, but you kind of got to fuck it up a little bit to learn mm-hmm. how. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons that like, that's one of the benefits. I used to talk about my clients with this a lot um, is one of the benefits of dating apps and just kind of like the high volume dating. You might as well leverage it for your own benefit to be like, well, that was a, that, that I was, I performed terribly on that date. Oh, well, like there's, I'm a few swipes away from someone else. If that's the case to learn yeah. how to kind of get to that place where you can do more be more vulnerable. Not that you should be vulnerable on first dates with people that much. I think right. probably be hesitant there, but <laughs> in the situations that we're in, it's like, you just gotta have a little compassion for yourself. Be like, Hey, like I'm really dedicated to trying to be more vulnerable. And I also know I'm not going to be great at that because I don't have a ton of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, beautifully said. Okay. Second question. Uh, what do you do if you are spiritual, but your partner isn't, and you want them to be? Okay. I love this one. I'm going to jump in here. Go, babe. Um, I'm assuming this is from a woman. Maybe. Well, I think you're gender stereotyping. I but... <laughs> don't want to assume you, but no, but I, I've, this is, a, this is, I had this situation because a lot of people would go through these kind of awakenings and I coach mostly women. So that's why I say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to understand. Number one important to understand is that two people's spiritual journeys, just what we we're talking about, don't look the same. Yeah. Right. Like some people, let's just go hyper feminine, hyper masculine, like meditation, um, uh, what's that kind of yoga where they move their hands around? In the- oh, Kundalini. Kundalini yoga. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> what is that called? Is that a funny name? Um, like that kind of thing is like someone's spiritual path yeah. for a lot of dudes here in Colorado, for example, right. Me walking around in the woods for six hours by myself without any sound yeah. is as good as an hour of meditation. Yeah. Right. Looking around and just like being mm-hmm. grateful for like like you get to the, you hike up the top to the top of a mountain. You look down, you're like, God damn, that's fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just appreciating life. That's a spiritual journey as well. Right. So not the most important thing in my opinion, in this scenario is like not projecting your experience onto someone else, but you can encourage them to find their own way yeah. to maybe have more awareness in their own experience. That could be for a dude. It could be working on a car right? Or cutting wood. It can be so many, it can manifest itself in so many ways. I think you can encourage people. And a lot of times people will do this. This is ginger, non-ginger specific, but like project, like I want Kelly to like Alan Watts because Alan Watts changed my life. Yeah. She doesn't get it. <laughs> she yeah. just doesn't, it doesn't hit her the same way in the same way that Ram Dass doesn't really like do it for me. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's cool whatever. Like they're, they're kind of saying the same things in different ways. It's going to resonate yeah. with you in a different way. Yeah. So understanding that like, it's a very subjective experience and you can get a lot out of something that may, it may look completely different. It may not look spiritual at all, but just understand like, if you're, if you want someone to, if you want to talk to someone on that level, it's like, what do you love about this thing that you love to do? Mm-hmm. Who knows what it is? Could be golf, you know, <laughs> like who knows. Right. But it's like, what do you, and then get them to like, think about it, maybe be more aware of what they love about it. Yeah. And that may create cool discussions because you might find that you love the same thing about yoga that they love about golf. And that's awesome. It just manifests itself in two different ways. Yeah. yeah and I think I want to speak to the fact that when Connor and I met, he was very much still in the spiritual and personal development space. And mm. we were doing a lot of the same things. We were doing ayahuasca retreats together. We were doing mushrooms together. You know, it was a, it was a lot of that. And then once COVID hit and he changed career paths and started talking politics, our whole relationship dynamic shifted. And I was really scared because he wanted nothing to do with any of it. Like he was like hard stop moving on. And I'm like, Oh God, like, who are you? And there was a lot of fear for me, but what I've learned over the last two years is that it's actually been the most beautiful thing because Connor is so in his essence of who he is at this point. Mm -hmm. He went Mm -hmm. through that stage and that experience with 
psychedelics and personal development and spirituality and, you know, working with Paul Selig and all these different things to now he is embodying what he learned. He's truly living Mm -hmm. all of that out and he doesn't have to talk about it. He doesn't have to do mushrooms and go to this experience and, you know, know, bang his chest and do all this stuff in order to be spiritually connected. He lives it where Mm -hmm. I'm still in the you know, discovery and curiosity. And I want to know what this is like, and I've never done this. And so I think that again, like you said, Kat, it's about not projecting your experience on someone else. Once we let go of the idea that I need to do it the way he did, or he needs to do it the way I did, then we both had our sovereign experiences in spirituality and in our connection. And I think we're so much happier because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, this whole episode is just, is so potent with, with rich information. I love it. And I love you too. So so fun. Yeah. How can people find more about you? I know they can tune into both of you on. Okay, babe. Yeah. Okay, babe. Um, you can, what you will, you have politically homeless and then Connor's launching his new podcast. Yeah. So I've got politically homeless, which is like, um, a, it's a, wildly independent, very aggressive political commentary podcast, which is super funny if you're into that kind of thing. Totally <laughs> like maybe different from your audience for sure. But I am launching Thought Criminals, which is a newer um, conversation podcast. So before when I was doing personal development work, um, I was doing only almost exclusively interviews. And I really missed that. But once I never did any virtual, I never in my history of podcasting until COVID happened, I never did one virtual interview that for my own mm. show. So like that really threw me off, but now we've gotten to the place where the text kind of caught up and I feel comfortable doing that. So we're doing interviews. It will be about politics, current events, but also other things from nutrition to sex to like, we're just having wild conversations. And the reason it's called thought criminals is because it's kind of people that think outside of the, mm. the, um, let's just say the established norms. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Actually, I think you should jump on there. I'm going to, this is yeah. my formal inf- invitation for you to come on talk criminals. All right. Let's talk about sex and psychedelics. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker. <Okay>. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find me on Instagram at Kelly T and then Connor's at Connor wanders. Yeah. And they both have great, uh, Instagrams. I follow them. I read up on them and, and they're very, very, uh, Uh, powerfully opinionated and thought provoking. So definitely check that out. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you, Kat. Thank you. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better. So you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy.